you to uh, turn to the book of Galatians. And I'm not going to be before you long. I always say that and I try to mean that, but <laughs> amen. I'm not going to be before you long, but um, I want to give you what uh, I believe the Lord has placed on my heart uh, concerning the need in the body of Christ, uh, the need in our churches today. Amen. So Galatians chapter 4. And we're going to read uh, only one verse, uh, verse number 19, Galatians chapter 4, verse number 19. It says, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Again, my little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. In you, I want to talk about simply this morning Christ being formed in us. So, Father, we thank you for your grace and we thank you for the Spirit of God uh, who is obviously in this place this morning. Lord, we pray that you would have your way and we know that your word now takes precedence. Father, and we pray that you would exalt your word in the name of Jesus in the lives of your people who need to hear a word from the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and we thank you. Amen. So it is said that the attention span of the adult nowadays is eight seconds long. (laughs) Do I have your attention? (laughs) They say that the attention span of the average adult nowadays is eight seconds long. Another study, maybe it's the same study, says that the attention span of a goldfish is nine seconds. So I'm not going to ask you, if you, are you smarter than a goldfish? I won't go there. <laughs> so I don't know how that, you're welcome. So I don't know how you feel about statistics like that and uh, studies like these, but if it's anywhere near being true, ladies and gentlemen, I said that we're in trouble. Because if an adult attention span is eight seconds, what, the, what is the attention span of a teenager? What's the attention span of a child? And, and, and how difficult will it be for uh, uh, teachers who teach in school and professors who teach in colleges if the attention span of adult is only eight seconds? Even in churches, how difficult would it be if the attention span of an adult, if the, if the average person sitting in the pew only had an uh, uh, eight-second attention span? You know what that would mean? Unless you had an incredibly... Uh, an incredible ability to focus or those who pass through this pulpit were great expositors or teachers like your pastor, it means that by our second sentence, we've lost half of you. (laughs) Oh, I'm in New England, right? And New England Patriots? Well, since your team can't pay attention to the rules... (laughs) Is the ball inflated or not inflated? (laughs) So listen, since you're a New England Patriot fan, it means I've lost all of you in the first eight seconds. 
in 60 seconds, the scene or scenario in your mind could change up to seven and a half times if the scenario, if this study is true. That means you can plan your entire life, your children's life, their wedding, and the birth of your grandchildren in a 40-minute message. In 2,400 minutes, the scene in your mind can change 300 times. So now don't misunderstand me, however. I think that statistics are important if used properly. I believe that it's important to be as modern and as up-to-date as we possibly can. And if the experts say that adults lose their attention in about eight seconds, then sure, we should capitalize on that as much as we possibly can. But I've come to tell you this morning, however, that there are some things that cannot change. Even if the world and our churches are saying and are begging us to move on from whatever it is that they no longer uh, want to hear, there are some things that cannot change. So look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. some things can't change. Look at your other neighbor and say, neighbor, some things can't change. You've heard people say before, change the methods and not the message. You heard that, right? Yes, we've heard that. Well, I like to uh, 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 advocate this morning for methods also. Some methods cannot change. If you want deliverance, you may need a prayer meeting, not just prayer. And I know that you're used to that. I know that you know that, PT. But that can't change, right? We, 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 can't, we can't dumb down with uh, uh, the power of God because we want people to stay, right? And I know that you know that. So sometimes it's a prayer meeting. Sometimes it's one hour. Sometimes it's two hours. Sometimes it's longer praying that's needed and not just a say grace type of prayer. Somebody say amen. Right? Sometimes it's not just talking to. Sometimes you need to pray with someone. It seems to me that a little inconvenience and sacrifice stands in the way of so many people's freedom because we want to shield them for what it really takes to get them for where God wants them to be. Discipleship and the process of discipleship can't change, ladies and gentlemen. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. I, I, I know PT know this. So I'm coming to remind you of some of these things this morning. We cannot make discipleship palatable to the world. How do you dumb down no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God? Right? I mean, there's no nice way to say that. Right? Jesus said, if you're going to make a commitment, if you're going to make a commitment, commit all the way. If you're going to make a commitment, put your whole heart into it, right? You've heard the expression, he's either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And so Jesus wants 100% of us, not just half of us. We cannot compartmentalize who God is, right? Jesus is Lord and he wants all of us. So we can't, again, uh, 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 make discipleship palatable to the world. How do you dumb down anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy than me, uh, worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. So some methods cannot change if we want the formation of Christ to be in us and the resulting transformation of a life that impacts the world. The bottom line is, you've read the newspaper, right? The world needs an answer called Jesus. 
And I know that we know that. It's just that I don't think that we realize that that answer comes from the church. That answer comes, well, let me put it more specifically. That answer comes from the Christian because a person can go to church all their lives and not necessarily represent and display Christian attributes. All right, so the, the, uh, the world is looking for an answer, and the formation of Christ in us is the thing that we need in order to give the answer, uh, 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 the world, the answer that they need. So I can imagine and even feel Pastor Paul's anguish as some people start off well in the book of Galatians on their way, on their journey, and take detours of all kinds that only have the appearance of offering something more. Do you understand that the enemy has all kinds of tricks and all kinds of deceptions and he will make things sound good so that you can veer off course? And off course, just a degree further down the line can put you off course for miles, right? Those who are pilots understand that. So somebody say appearance. The writing of this epistle came about because Paul had heard that the people who he taught were beginning to accept what he describes in chapter 1 as another gospel. So he went to Galatia, he and his team on their uh, first missionary journey out of the book of Acts, and you can read that in the book of Acts. And he taught the Gentile believers, uh, those believers who were not Jews, he taught them that you can be saved, but you don't have to keep the law of Moses. You can be saved and you don't have to be circumcised. And all of the men said, amen. Right? Because we, we don't want to go through that type of pain. He taught them that you can receive that Jesus Christ died for our sins and you can receive him by faith. Right? It's grace. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to uh, 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 be a certain uh, heritage. Your, your family line don't have to you know, be Jewish or whatever it is. We can accept Christ by faith. He taught them that. They accepted that. And then all of a sudden, some people from Jer- uh, Jerusalem came in and said, are you saved? They said, yes. They asked, did you keep the law of Moses? And were you circumcised? And all of a sudden, Paul heard, after he left, Paul heard that these men were beginning to try to keep the law of Moses. And he was astonished. And that's how chapter 1 begins. So in chapter 1, Paul was astonished. In chapter 2, he was annoyed because they questioned his apostleship. In chapter 3, he expressed anguish and pleaded with them to get back to the course that they were on. And in chapter 4, where we are, there is anticipation. As he says to them, I want to see Christ formed in you. And it's the same thing today, ladies and gentlemen. There are all kinds of things. Once we're in the church, that we think has to replace the simple message that Jesus loves you. Right? There's some people, and maybe there's some people who are sitting here this morning that can't accept the simple fact that all you have to do is accept Christ as your personal Savior. That Jesus loves you just the way that you are. You mean to tell me I don't have to give all of my money, Pastor? No, give some, but Jesus loves you just the way that you are. I don't have to uh, cut my wrist, Pastor. No, Jesus loves you just the way that you are. It's a simple message, but there's some people who want to make the message complicated. Right? But there's no complication to the gospel, ladies and gentlemen. Jesus died for our sins, and he loves us just the way that you are. In fact, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, so there isn't anything that we can add. 
There isn't anything that we can add. And so the message is simple. Jesus loves us just the way, they, uh, the, the way that we are. And so these men who were called Judaizers, right, uh, and, and earlier chapters in the book of Galatians uh, refers to them as the circumcision party. They came in and they said, it's not that simple. And Paul was saying, it is that simple. Ladies and gentlemen, we gravitate toward our fixations. And if you are not fixed on Jesus, you could morph into something other than a believer, something other than a Christian, or be on a road that feeds your habit and not one that frees your habit. And Christ formed in us is the thing that breaks every chain. Christ formed in us is the thing that heals our hurt. Christ formed in us is the thing that sets us free. Christ formed in us is the thing that uh, delivers us from our hurt, our hangups, our habits, whatever it is that we have. I am telling you that it's Jesus Christ in you that makes the difference. And that's the bottom line. So Christ being formed in us is the surest way to bring deliverance for anything that we need. There is no hit and run way to do this. It takes both time, attention, and detail. There are some things that just take time. It used to be in an effort a long time ago, in an effort uh, to get new believers to read their Bible, we say to them, even if it's five minutes a day. I don't know if they did that here in Massachusetts, but in New York we used to say, to new believers, even if it's five minutes a day. And that was appropriate, because if you weren't used to opening a Bible, especially if you, I don't want to offend anybody, but especially if you read the King James Version, right? If you wasn't used to saying thee and thou and hitherto and peradventure, whatever the, the word, if you weren't used to that, then we said to the new believer, even if it's five minutes a day, to get you used to what the voice of God sounds like, to get you used to what the, uh, 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 what the Bible says and the stories of the Bible, at least five minutes a day, we want you to read the scripture. But if after 10 years, we're still only giving five minutes a day to Bible reading, then the only Christian thing that we may have is appearance. Some things take time, folks. Right. And the more that you grow in Christ, the more that you have to commit to the disciplines of the things of God, because it is possible to come to church long enough to mimic the believer, but never, ever, ever model the believer. There's a need for substance. in today's believer, not substitutes. What do I mean by substitutes? Living by sayings instead of by scripture. God helps those who help themselves. I don't think so. Because <laughs> I couldn't help myself. <laughs> Born in the Bronx, I couldn't help myself. You understand? Right? And there's some people who, who, who would rather post sayings. And I, I understand what I'm trying to say. I, I, I believe that you know this. But sometimes we have to be reminded of the subtleties of the enemy. We cannot get away from the thing that saved us. Right? If the thing that saved us was scripture, the thing that's going to keep us is scripture. Amen. If the things that delivered us was scripture, the thing that's going to keep us delivered is scripture. Amen. We can't fall for 
these internet things that says, send this to 300 people and you'll be blessed. Right? That can't be the depth of our belief. That can't be the depth of our blessing. Amen. Read the scripture, you know, and let those 300 people read the scripture also. Right? It's not, su- we, we, don't, we don't fall into superstition, people of God. We don't. Right? We believe, we believe what the Bible says and we read what the Bible says. And so we can't fall for substitutes, putting scripture on your wall instead of planting them in your heart. And I mean literally or digitally, right? You can post on your wall all you want, right? And please understand what I'm saying. That those are nice modern day ways to show, you know, anybody who reads your post, right? You know, I know you're familiar with version, and that's a nice thing that they have in the, you know, uh, uh, as a way of reading the Bible. But again, if you post on your wall and not plant in your heart, you will not be delivered. Right? Because it's not the appearance, folks. It's not the appearance. It's, it's, it's the substance of the believer that the world needs today. So finally, what does that mean? What does it mean to have a Christ formed in us? And how do we do it? How are we transformed? Let's get into this a little bit. The word formed is morphu, and I don't know Greek, so I think that's just the way, how you pronounce it, all right? That's the way it looks. It refers to the act, listen to this, to the act of giving outward expression to one's inner nature. The act of giving outward expression to one's inner nature. The verb is written in the passive voice. So it means that the subject, you and I, is not not acted upon. Jesus doesn't force his way out of us. We have to yield to the Spirit of God and produce the fruit of the Spirit. That's what it means. Again, so the verb is written in the passive voice. So it means that the subject, you and I, is not acted upon, but the subject acts. Again, the definition, the act of giving outward expression to your inner nature. So number one, Christ formed in us is intentional. Somebody say intentional, right? You have to deliberately act or perform or behave in a way that is Jesus-like and godly, (laughs) right? Whether you feel like it or not. And I don't know about you, but I know that at some point through our Christian journey, we don't all feel saved. But you better show that you're saved, right? Because the enemy will use, you know, whatever you're feeling to mess up your mind, to mess up your head. So, again, it means to act. So it's not, I wish I had the time to pray more. Go ahead and start to pray more. It's, it's, it's what I deliberately do, right? Christ formed in us is a deliberate act. It's not, I wish I had time to read more, make time to read more. Not, I wish I understood the Bible better. Be intentional and be deliberate about increasing your understanding in the word of God. So we have to be intentional. Just to give a practical example, right? My relationship with my wife, when we first, when I first saw her and we first met, I was intentional. And the truth is that she couldn't resist. (laughs) 
Some people are just addicted to chocolate. <laughs> uh, <laughs> she, I mean, she had no choice. She was just like, oh. Right? I was intentional about wanting to meet Miss Daisy. All right? It doesn't matter how many guys were in Massachusetts. She was coming to New York. No, I'm sorry about that, guys. I'm, I'm sorry. All right? But people do what they want. All right? People go after what they want. And the same practical thing applies to getting to know Jesus. Right? Christ formed in us is intentional. You have to intentionally want it. You have to intentionally want Jesus. You have to deliberately do things that's going to uh, 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 make sure that Christ is formed in you. You cannot meander toward your goal. If growth and maturity and transformation is what we want, Christ formed in us has to be intentional. So if I'm going to give outward expression to an inner nature, then I have to learn what the inner nature is all about. Therefore, Christ formed in us is also instructional. So if Jesus is going to be formed in me, I have to be taught, right? Right? If Jesus is going to be formed in me, whether it's self-learning, self-feeding, and we encourage self-feeding, right? Or you have a great Bible teacher like your pastor and other elders who teach you. That's why it's important. The enemy will try to create all kinds of distractions for you not to be able to go to a Bible study, for you not to be able to join a small group or cell group or fellowship or whatever it is. But I am saying to you that Christ formed in us first is intentional and then it's instructional. We have to be able to learn. We have to be able to learn what, uh, who God is. There is no way around of being taught, ladies and gentlemen. We have to learn the word of God in order to know who Jesus is. And the surest way to this inner formation is through teaching. Uh, Acts chapter 2, verse number 42, I believe it is. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. They were taught. They continue steadfastly in it. And so they have the results of Jesus working through their lives. It's the same thing for us today. If we're going to, if we're going to, if we're going to have Christ formed in us and then have the results of the early church, we have to continue steadfastly in the word of God in teaching. John chapter one, verse number 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. If Christ is going to be formed in us, then the best thing to teach is the word, the Bible. It's been suggested that our lack of attention is not our fault. That's what they say. They say that a highly digital society is the reason that we've gone from paying attention to attention deficit, if you will. That just because everything is digital and that things change at such a fast pace, that it's the reason that we move from one thing to another if it doesn't hold our attention. So in this letter to the Galatians, Paul is astonished at the level of appeal that the words of a few Jewish men had on believers who once stood on the word that Paul taught and proved through Old Testament scripture that salvation could be gained through faith alone. Are you following me so far? They all of a sudden wanted to be circumcised. Again, what man at age 40 wants to be? So, so it couldn't have been the words. 
Right? There had to have been some kind of seducing spirit. There had to have been something that appealed to them, an appearance that was more than the words. And it's the same thing today, ladies and gentlemen. The enemy uses the same thing, right? Just because one person verbally outsmarts another or whatever it is, if we stick to the word of God, we will continue to walk the straight and narrow and we won't be deceived. So be careful for, uh, uh, for things that appear to be okay or that appear to be lovely, and that really is no good for you. So whether they're literal words like the words uh, uh, that Paul used uh, uh, to, um, uh, to combat what the Jew- Judaizers were saying to the Gentile believers, whether they're literal words or digital words, the bottom line that we li- uh, is that we live in a world of distractions. That's the bottom line. The enemy wants to distract us and knock us off course from what Jesus wants. And the job of the enemy is to replace what's revealing the word with what's appealing the world. And I'll say that again. The enemy wants to replace what's revealing the word of God to our spirit, the word of God to our soul with what's appealing. Right. So he's always appealing to you. Right. He's always saying, why go to Bible study today? So-and-so called you, right? You know, you ever want to get serious with God and all of a sudden, somebody from three years ago that you tried to get ready gives you a call? Hey, baby, what's up? I just called to see what you were doing. Oh, I wasn't doing nothing. Yes, you were. You're going to go to Bible study. <laughs> Cut that out. Right? right? Don't be not don't don't be fooled by your parents, right? All you have to say is, I'm getting ready to go to Bible study. Oh, I can go with you. No, thank you, click. <laughs> right? Right? You gotta be able to discern, and that's what the word of God does for us and help us discern. All of a sudden, all of your distractions come into view when you want to get serious for God. Right? Right? All of a sudden, nobody paid attention to you for nothing, and now everybody's paying attention to you. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. <laughs> but you, you get what I'm saying, though. So they can blame a lack of attention and focus on a digital world if they want. The truth is, is that we live in a world of distractions, ladies and gentlemen. And if you're not focused, Christ will not be formed in you. We will have everything. We can have a good time in church. We will have all of the all of the, the the seemingly attributes of doing church, but if your life does not overcome, then Christ is not being formed in you. You know that, right? You understand that, and that's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. It's like we don't want to do church; we want to be the church. We want to be the church of the living God. The serpent said to the woman, has God said, replacing the word, follow me, and then he says, for he knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open, replacing the word with an appeal for the world. And the enemy knows you enough to know what appeals to you. You better believe that. He knows what appeals to you. So after intentionality, 
and after Christ uh, and after instructions. The last thing, and I conclude with this this morning, is that Christ forming us is imageable. Imageable. So first it takes intention, intentionality, and then it's instruction. And then if you, if, if, if you have all of your ducks in a row, if you're doing that, right, if you're intentionally going to a prayer meeting, if you're intentionally uh, 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 reading your Bible, if you're intentionally doing everything that you can to have Christ formed in you, you know what begins to happen? You begin to reflect who Jesus is. <laughs> That's what you want, right? Right, because the, the, and you've heard this before, the closest that some people will ever see Jesus, the closest to God that they will ever get is you as the believer. Right? Jesus said, we're the salt of the earth, ladies and gentlemen. Right? We're the salt of the earth. We are that city that's set upon a hill. And there are some of you where your families need to see the example of Christian living. You know why? Because they've been hearing about hypocrites all of their lives. And they're hearing about the, uh, the church is nothing all of their lives. But I am telling you that there is a power that comes from the Spirit of God that gives the believer the ability to draw people. And it's not a fake attraction. It's not a fatal attraction. It's true. And that's what God wants to do through us. So after being intentional and after being instructed, we ought to bear the image of the one who loves us. Right? For those of you who are in college and you pledge your fraternity, you pledge a sorority, they brand you, right? Omega Psi Phi, Alpha Phi Alpha, or whatever sorority you're in. I want to know, have you been branded by Jesus? Is, he, is his image in you enough where everybody knows wherever they go, they may not be able to put their hand on it, but they should be able to say there's something different about that woman. There's something different about that man, right? Enough of the blended believer. Enough. <laughs> Our world needs an answer, folks. You see what's going on, right? Black lives matter, blue lives matter, white lives matter. How about for God so loved the world, every life matters, huh? Right? And we sometimes get lured in to things depending on what our pro uh, proclivities are. But I'm saying that if Christ doesn't trump our culture, thank you, sir. If Christ doesn't trump our culture, we will be, as Jesus said, if the salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing, right? There's no way to dumb down that, <laughs> right? right? There's no way to sugarcoat that. As believers, it's time to bear the image of the one who loves us. So imageable, a physical likeness or representation of a person, animal, or thing photographed, painted, or sculpted. In our case, it's a representation of the written word. Right? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's a representation of who Jesus is. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Right? If we knew our Bible to the point where it exuded through us, <laughs> if we knew our Bible to the point where we, we, where we sort of go in an automatic mode and we do what it says, 
right? Now, it starts with small things like remembering the scripture. It starts with quoting the scripture. But after a while, folks, it's living the scripture. And that's the bottom line. The bottom line is that we have to live. We have to bear the image of the one who we say that we love. If you and I can begin to bear the image of the one to whom we belong, I believe that when we, uh, that's when we have the greatest impact on the world. Let me close with an illustration. I said earlier, remember, I said earlier that we gravitate toward our fixations, right? Well, it's a known fact that when you take your focus off of a target, right? Now keep in mind the target is being transformed. The goal, the goal in this case, is I want to bear the image of Jesus Christ, right? I want to be intentional. I want to receive instruction to the point where I'm bearing the image of Jesus Christ. So that's the goal, all right? Everybody say the goal is? The goal is transformation. transformation. Okay? So it's a known fact that when you take your focus off a fixed target, you begin to drift toward your fixation. And we all know that just because there's movement doesn't mean that it's movement in the right direction. Right? Just because we're moving doesn't mean we're moving in the direct, uh, right direction. And so, and so we would be babes in Christ, right? And when you first get saved, that's, that's where we are. But as we, as we go on, we mature and we get older. So we would be babes and unfit if we think that church activity is the same thing as discipleship. <laughs> right? You know, that, that just because we're doing things, if it doesn't build toward the transformation of my life, then we're just doing activity. Right? Right? The goal, the goal is that, is that we would, as believers, shine as lights to the world. So let me finish with this illustration. Just because it's movement doesn't mean that it's movement in the right, uh, in the right direction. And just as you would not get on 95 North, headed toward Maine, right? We're in Massachusetts. Now we want to go to Maine. Right? So if I'm not mistaken, I think there's New Hampshire, and then Vermont, and then Maine, or, or, or opposite, whatever it is. But you follow that so far, right? So if we're traveling 95 north, and you got off to take a bathroom break, and then you got back on traveling 95 south, you can't justify that you're going in the right direction just because you're moving. That makes so much sense, doesn't it? Huh? Doesn't it? I'm setting you up. Be careful. That makes so much sense, doesn't it? Right? I mean, if all of the signs show that you're going south, you wouldn't say, you know, you know what, let me step on the gas and go faster. Maybe it'll change. You're just going faster in the wrong direction, right? Sort of like men when they don't listen to their wives. Honey, I think you're going the wrong way. No, let me just keep driving. But anyway, that's another story. That's a different sermon. <laughs> So you wouldn't, if, you're going, if, the, if the goal is north and Maine, Maine equals transformation. If the goal is 95 north, 
You wouldn't get off the bathroom break and then go back headed south. So also, if 95 North is transformation, and along the way I see nothing but rage and impatience and no compassion, I don't care how long you've been in the church, doesn't matter where your position is, right? I see nothing but attitude, right? Well, let me take that one out because it seems like every saint has an attitude at, you know, early in the morning. Some people just moody, but anyway. No understanding, intolerance, fits of anger, infidelity, deception, cheating, lying. I can't say that it's okay just because there's movement. Just because you've been in church for 10 years. Just because you have a position. Just because you're whoever you are, right? But we do that all the time, ladies and gentlemen. At some point, somebody's got to pat them on the shoulder and say, listen, I think you're going south. Right? Right? Because every sign indicates to me that you're going south. Right? If if transformation and, and, and... and bearing the image of Christ is the goal, then if all of the signs show that I'm heading south, then somebody should say it's time to make a U-turn in a loving way. I'm not talking about beating people up. I'm talking about being honest. You know why? Because time out for pastors or preachers or elders or, or even a brother being afraid, saying, I can't judge. I, I, I don't know. Who knows? You know, we are, we're food inspectors. That's all I'm going to say. I am my brother's keeper. That's the bottom line, right? And a nice conversation, right? Just in case you want to do it when you get home tonight. A nice conversation is, I think all the signs are indicating south in your life. They'll know what you mean, right? And if they weren't here, give them the tape. (laughs) Buy it. Uh, Anyway. Time out, ladies and gentlemen, for us being able to say, if, if in the natural it's absurd to think that if I travel faster, it means that I'll uh, uh, straighten things out. Same thing with our spiritual lives. If we're headed for transformation, there are signs along the way that a life has been transformed. Deliverance, healing, you're nicer, you're a little more calm, you're nicer to your wife, you're nicer to your husband. You like to say good morning. Well, you may not still like to say good morning, but at least you'll smile. <laughs> right? You know, the Spirit of God causes us to smile. Okay. Let me end. Y'all don't, y'all don't not smiling at me anymore, so let me. Huh? Listen, your car, you may get a flat tire along the way. Get out of your car, change the flat, and keep heading north. Right? Your car may overheat along the way. Pull over to the side, stop at a gas station, put some coolant in the radiator, but keep heading north, right? Your car may even break down on the way, right? Hitchhike on the side of a road of a brother or sister who's heading north, but keep going north. You know why? Because Christ needs to be imageable for the world. That's why. The hope of our world is Christ formed in us. The hope of our society is Christ formed in us. Just look at the news, man. Where are the answers coming from? Where is the Christian voice that's national? 
Where is he or she? Christ form in us is the hope of the world. The hope of Cambridge PT is Christ form in you. Right? PT South, PT North, PT West, PT East. It doesn't matter what it is. Y'all are going to be all over the place anyway. So wherever you are, the hope of Cambridge is Christ formed in you. The hope of our families is Christ formed in us. The sure sign of transformation is Christ formed in us. And Paul said to the Galatian believers, don't go for the okie doke. I don't care what they're saying. I don't care if it's appealing. Check it with the word. Here's what the word says. The word says this is uh, such and such. The word said it should be like this. It should be like that. Right? And if it doesn't line up with the word, I don't care how appealing it is. Do you know how to check things with the word? The more that you read the word of God, the more that you develop discernment. The more that you learn discernment. And after a while, you may not be able to put your finger on something that is wrong, but you, your spirit is like, mm, ah, you're a smooth talker, brother, but something is wrong. <laughs> yeah, I like that suit you have on, and I love your cologne, but something is wrong. <laughs> hey? What's Jesus' middle name? And if he give you a middle name, you know he doesn't know what he's talking about. <laughs> Come on now. There's some sign along the place, all right? But bottom line is, I close with this, is that Paul said to the Galatian believers, I am in anguish again, like, like, like being in child, uh, childbirth. I want Christ to be formed in you. You know why? Because he was saying, if Christ is formed in you, you won't fall for that mess. I don't care how it sounds. And that's what I'm saying to the church of the living God today. That's what I'm saying to PT. PT, your message this morning is allow Christ to be formed in you. You will do greater works. Allow Christ to be formed in you. As an individual, you will be better. Allow Christ to be formed in you. Receive instruction, please. Don't be an isolated believer, right? Isolation, right? Separation, and then annihilation. That's what the enemy does. Don't be an isolated believer. Christ formed in you. So receive instruction. Be intentional about what you want for Jesus, right? Be intentional about your Bible study. Be intentional about your your praying. Be intentional about what you want to do for Christ. And then you will begin to bear his image. You're talking about restoring broken lives? They'll come to you for answers. They'll come to you for, even if it's in secret, I don't want nobody to know. But can you pray for me? You don't have to say, yeah, I'll pray for you, everybody. I, you know, just sure, I'll pray for you. Christ formed in us. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for your grace. The love that you have for your church, for the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your grace, Lord. Father, we want Christ to be formed in us. That's, our, that's the hope of this world this morning. That's the hope of, of, of our societies, of our communities. That we would bear the image of the person who loves us, who gave himself for us. God, we want to um, take the time to be 
discipled. We're modern day disciples, Father, 21st century disciples. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for every member of Pentecostal Tabernacle. I pray for every person under the sound of my voice. Even visitors this morning, Lord God, I pray for every single one of us. God, that we won't be distracted by the things of this world, that we'll learn to pay attention and realize that there's some things that take time. And having Christ in you is in us is one of them. And so, Father, in Jesus' name, right now I pray for every single person that you would remove any and all distraction in their lives. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, if something has come up all of a sudden, if somebody has said to themselves, this year I won't do this, or this year I won't do that, or I'm going to cancel this or that, if it, if it equals to spiritual growth, Father, I pray that you would have them reconsider. Because now is the time, God, we cannot wait another moment to have Christ formed in us. Hallelujah. So, Father, I thank you for your grace. And I thank you that this is the desire of the Spirit of God for every single one of us. God wants us to reflect the image of Christ. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Stop.